VCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. And we thank you for joining us on Crosstalk today here on VCY America. Ladies and gentlemen, as I begin the program today, I was looking back at our topics over the past few months and saw that it was this past July 21st that we gave our first warning of of an attempt to codify so-called same-sex marriage in our country. The House of Representatives went on to pass H.R. 8404 with the help of nearly four dozen Republicans And though at first it looked like the Senate would uh, take up the legislation this past summer, they did not have the votes and decided to hold off until after the election for the lame duck session. And sadly, on Wednesday, November 16th, 2022, some 12 Senate Republicans joined the Democratic majority to codify so-called same-sex marriage with huge ramifications on religious liberty. And I thought, what a classic example to illustrate the very topic that was booked weeks ago for today's program. I mean, today we're going to recall the account of Noah. We remember how God instructed Noah to build an ark. We, we know that only he and his wife, his three sons and their wives, went into the ark. Eight individuals, along with two of each kind of animal and of the clean beast, seven, so that there would be those available for sacrifice. Well, God closed the door, the rains came, the flooded the entire earth, every spot of ground covered, the topography of the earth forever changed, and judgment was meted out on a very wicked world. Some call this account a fairy tale or a myth, yet evidence speaks to the truth of the scriptures. When Jesus walked this earth, he referenced Noah and told of a future time when the conditions of the world would be like the days of Noah. But what were those days like? Our guest today has just released a book that reveals the parallels between the time before the flood to the current culture of today. Joining us, we welcome back Jeff Kinley, graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary, has previously served as a pastor, has a passion for sharing biblical truth, speaks across the country, equipping churches and Christians to discern the times and to live with confidence. He's the author of 38 books, including Wake the Bride, Aftershocks, and others. He's with us today discussing his newly released book, As It Was in the Days of Noah, Warnings from Bible Prophecy about the Coming Global Storm. Jeff, thank you for joining us today. Jim, it's great to be with you. Uh, tell us what compelled you to write this book, uh, as it was in the days of Noah. Well, originally it was uh, proposed to me, the idea was proposed to me several years ago when they were releasing a, a movie about Noah in Hollywood. And of course, one thing we always know about Hollywood is they always get biblical stories wrong. Uh, they either misquote it or, or completely rewrite it, which is exactly what they did. And so in writing the book, it really the desire, Jim, was to bring to the current, this current generation, the relevance of what Jesus Christ said in Matthew 24, that the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. Mm-hmm. In other words, that generation would mirror uh, the generation leading up to uh, the second coming, eventually, of Jesus Christ. And so really to kind of look at the parallels of Noah's generation to see what what this is going to be like and during the Revelation generation, and to see where are we in the middle of this thing, how close are we to that end time. Indeed, and you're referencing Matthew twenty four thirty seven. but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Uh, we'll talk about the ramifications of that statement, but let's go back to the days of Noah. Uh, Jeff, uh, what were those times like? I know Genesis 6 gives us some insight, but help us understand the times. Yeah, when you think about uh, the the fall of man had come in the garden, and and since that point, uh, things really began to uh, take a devolution, if you will. Uh, Humanity became more and more godless to the point where God really became sorry that he even made humanity. In fact, it says in in Genesis 6-5 that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And this grieved God's heart. And the next verse says the Lord was very sorry that he had made man, and he was grieved in his heart. So I point out in the book is the fact that, you know, the flood obviously was a horrific judgment, but it really initially flowed from a broken heart, not from the furious fist of judgment. Uh, But God looks on the earth, and he sees this wicked humanity, and he goes, I've got to do something here. Before you go on, does this mean that God made a mistake? (laughs) <laughs> no, I don't think it does. I just think it means that when when man is given a free choice in things, that he chooses 
uh, evil instead of God, and there are consequences because God is a righteous God. And so just like in his relationship with Israel, like his relationship with current nations today, uh, there is a point in which God steps in and says, I'm going to have to do something. Hmm. Okay, so uh, I kind of interrupted you there in, in your description of those times. No, that's, that's fine. Uh, yeah, it, really, you, when you look at this days of Noah, you kind of have to get the sort of Google Earth view of what's going on there. Is that Some estimates uh, say that, Jim, there was some, somewhere between even seven or more billion people could have been living on the planet at the time because of the, uh, the ages of people and how long they were living, their eight lifespans. And so you can think of just billions of people on the earth, and not a single person outside of Noah's family was thinking about God, revering God, uh, looking up at the, at, at the sky and uh, the creation around them and realizing who made this. Uh, they weren't responding to the internal conscience mechanism that God had placed within them, and they had really gone to a point uh, where God had essentially given them over, uh, like we read about in Romans 1. And so uh, the earth, obviously, if you can imagine every person doing whatever they wanted to mm. without restraint. I called it Mardi Gras on steroids, essentially, is what this generation was like. And so uh, we can get into the specifics yeah. on this, but just rampant godlessness across the earth. You actually believe that sexual sin was very prevalent during the time. What what causes you to, to draw that conclusion? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, you know, when you look at Genesis chapter 6, uh, it tells us that in verse 11 that the earth was corrupt in the sight of God. In fact, he mentions that same uh, verb again, in, or that word again in verse 12 as well. This verb, or this word rather, is the same word that Noah used uh, later on in Exodus 32, where he describes the generation of Israel at the bottom or the base of Mount Sinai. And when Moses came down, uh, he said they had corrupted themselves, they had arose to play, and that that imagery there in the Hebrew uh, refers as a strong inference towards sexual immorality. And so essentially what was happening at the base of Mount Sinai was a national sexual orgy that was going on as they combined uh, the, the worship of God with idolatry and, and sexual immorality. And so Moses, the same writer here in Genesis, uses that exact same word uh, to describe this generation. So it doesn't require a whole lot of imagination to think about people without God uh, in their basis desires, following whatever urges and impulses their hearts or bodies might want. And then you eventually, you know, you get places like Sodom and Gomorrah after the flood. I mean, it's the same kind of idea. So so do you believe that it was sexual sin, really, that was the the, the catalyst for God's judgment on the earth? I think it was one of the catalysts. Uh, you know, as we trace through this this narrative here, we see that there's there's godlessness. Obviously, there's a lack of, of respect for God. Mm-hmm. I believe there's sexual immorality. Uh, specifically, it says in verses uh, eleven or verse eleven and thirteen that that violence had filled the earth, mm-hmm. and so there was a combination of just the really the the full expression of the sin nature. Uh, and when you go over to Romans chapter 1, Jim, what's really amazing mm-hmm. is that you see almost a parallel there, yes. uh, with the rejection of God leading to sexual immorality, leading to a homosexual lesbian revolution, and then to, to a complete depraved mind where people are pursuing every sin imaginable. That has to have been what, would, what it was like in the days of Noah. Uh, before we hit another topic and looking at some of these other aspects, I, I'd like you to just take a look at today. I mean, you see what our nation has now sanctioned on the, the perversion of marriage. And uh, you're also likely aware of the, the drag fests that are being held all over the country, the, 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 the massive uh, uh, transgender movement, the, the mutilation of youth that is going on. I was so disturbed this morning to see uh, a story of uh, parents who brought in for their child's birthday party a, uh, a drag queen to perform for the children. You actually have a chapter entitled Fifty Shades of Immorality. Does that society mirror the days of Noah, as, what we're seeing here today? It would appear as if as if our generation, Jim, has read the the Noah account and said, "Let's do the, the most that we can do to mirror this generation." Mm-hmm. Uh, and you combine that with Sodom and Gomorrah, and what we're doing right now is we're following, and we have followed that exact same pattern. Uh, we've kicked God out of the schools. We've kicked God out of government. Uh, we've said we don't want you in the marketplace. We don't want you on social media. We'll cancel you if you come on there. And then that leads to all these other things that we're seeing in our society specifically in the 
the, the transmutation, if you will, of the image of God within us. We, we don't even want to say we're created anymore, much less that we are a man or a woman. Yeah. So as, as Romans 1 really does kind of flesh out for us, you get to the point where you, when you reject God as being creator, then you're obviously left to yourself to any perverse notion uh, that, that you can imagine. So that's bad enough, Jim, but when you get to, to where a government and a society and a culture and media are all supporting uh, this type of heinous sin, then you're exactly at the end of Romans chapter 1, where it says, they, although they knew the ordinance of God, that those who practice these things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval mm. to those who practice them. So that goes everything from celebrating, I mean, we have a whole month in our country called Pride Month, mm-hmm. that we've said we are proud uh, of the very thing that God that God responded against in Sodom and Gomorrah, where He incinerated those cities, we're proud of that, and it's as if we are begging yeah. God, we're taunting God uh, in His face. And and uh, coupled with this, Jeff, it, it is not just happening here in the United States. I mean, our neighbor to the north in Canada said uh, they had officials saying, "Well, a Pride Month is too short a period. We need to have a Pride season." And when you mm-hmm. put it in Pride, and you look at what's happening in in places like Tel Aviv and 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 and, and nations like Brazil and other, I mean, just all over the world, we are just seeing such this proliferation of sexual immorality that's that's taking place and and actually being celebrated. No, absolutely, and this is this is an evidence, a prime evidence of the spiritual insanity that comes, and really, it's more of a judgment of God mm-hmm. that people would participate in these things and to celebrate these things. Uh, it's a part of God's abandonment protocol, I believe, that we see in Romans chapter one, where it says three times God gave them over, and essentially that's a legal term saying, "I'm going to give you over to your chains, I'm going to send you to your own prison," and that's what we've done. That's where we are right now is we think it's freedom. We think that we're enjoying this freedom by celebrating all these things, but God is actually saying, no, you're going into deeper prison, a deeper dungeon by participating in them. We're speaking with Jeff Kinley today, author of the uh, new book, As It Was in the Days of Noah. And uh, we're just a minute before the break, but uh, we're going to hit another area uh, the beyond just the sexual perversion that's going on. Uh, it's the matter of violence in the earth during the times of Noah. What was it like during the times of Noah as it pertains to violence? Yeah, well, it says here in uh, Genesis chapter 6, it says the earth was filled with violence. Uh, again, it says in verse 13, the earth was filled with violence. Then he says, and behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. And so when you think about the fact that when man is, when we don't view each other as being precious or created in the image of God, it all becomes a selfish thing. What's yours is mine. And so there was rampant violence, uh, murder, uh, I'm sure rape, uh, thefts, attacks, physical attacks that went on during that time. And, you know, right now we're in a world, we're living in a world where uh, terrorism, uh, where violence, where thefts, where uh, violent assaults are, are going up and up and up. And it's like we don't care about life itself, that life is very cheap. And so that's the spirit of Noah that we're seeing today. Jeff Kinley with us here today. We're going to uh, take a quick break, and we'll be back further in our discussion. As it was in the days of Noah, folks, uh, it's like looking at today's newspaper. We'll be back in just one minute. You're listening to Crosstalk on the VCY American Network. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, geologist and president of the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, do creationists say that the biblical flood laid down all the fossils? No, we don't, Chris. Now, we do think that the flood of Noah's day is responsible for most of the fossils in geologic strata, but certainly not all. We talk about a time of residual catastrophism after the flood, which included the Ice Age. During this time, a lot of fossils were formed. Ice Age fossils would typically lie on top of the flood fossils, which came earlier. Now, of course, there are some fossils being formed today in minor catastrophes, minor floods, minor tsunamis. But these are of local extent, not like the fossils in strata from the flood. Chris, the biblical story of Noah's flood is absolutely essential for a full creation understanding. 
Let's go back to Genesis and get it right. To learn more about creation, get our free DVD called That's a Fact. Call us at 800-628-7640 and mention the promo code FACT. As it was in the days of Noah. Wow, folks, we are there. And um, uh, in in my opinion, anyways, we're seeing such similarities, uh, how Scripture describes the days of Noah to to some of the things we're seeing unfold today. Jeff Kinley is with us here today on Crosstalk, just authored this book. As it was in the days of Noah, warnings from the Bible prophecy about the coming global storm. Now, we're going to delve into it, but uh, friends, as I look at the clock, uh, there's no way we're going to cover all the material that's that's in his book. But uh, just wanted to bring to your attention that our, our VCY bookstore is featuring this as a uh, a book of the month, but it kind of bridges a couple months because they're running this through the end of December. Uh, it is a book that normally retails for sixteen ninety nine. However, right now they're offering it for just eight dollars and forty nine cents. That's fifty percent off plus any applicable tax and or shipping. It's available by going to vcy.com, vcy.com, or by calling them one triple eight seven two two four eight two nine. They worked with the publisher in order to get this book into your hands, and uh, you're welcome to reach out to them. VCY.com would be the fastest way. You may also reach out by phone, one 4829 Jeff Kinley with us today, authored numerous books, and uh, certainly uh, calling our attention to uh, where we're at in society here today, and certainly uh, to look at the warnings that are coming from Scripture. We're talking, Jeff, about the earth being filled with violence. You quoted that from Genesis chapter 6, and and um, it, it's very peculiar that the trajectory of violence that we are in all over this country is escalating as well. I mean, from the, the defund the police movement to just the the record murder rates, homicide rates that are taking place, the, uh, the you know the the violent uh, auto thefts and so forth. Just comment on what you see taking place today as it relates to the matter of violence. Yeah, well, in 2020, there were over a million violent crimes in America with over 19,000 homicides that were reported. That's the most violent in decades that we've seen in our country. And more and more, we're becoming a nation of lawlessness. And that's one of the things that Scripture does predict in the last days, that, that people will cast off the law of God and essentially be a law into themselves. But I think it goes even further than that, just the outward violence that everybody can see, everybody can condemn. It goes down to the fact that when you don't see another human being as being created in the image of God, if we're just, you know, moist robots walking around, just chemicals, then really it's every man for himself. It does become the survival of the fittest, and there's no intrinsic value in humanity. And so we begin to desensitize ourselves uh, to not only to one another, to, but to certain people groups, to, to certain demographic groups. I mean, uh, this obviously speaks to the area of abortion, uh, that certain people are just disposable if they're unwanted. Uh, I remember back in 2015, the hashtag Shout Your Abortion went viral mm. on Twitter. Yeah. And there were women holding uh, holding these post-abortion parties where they were serving wine and they had balloons and all these things like it was a baby shower, only they're celebrating the death of their baby. And really, that really goes back to the days of Noah as well, because every person during that generation, Jim, saw themselves as their own gods. And so when you worship yourself, then you can do no wrong. You can only do what you desire. And so that's what I think we're seeing today. Also, from the days of Noah, uh, as you uh, shared earlier from Genesis, that uh, it tells us that man's heart was only evil continually. We're talking pretty much 24-7, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, when we talk about the doctrine of total depravity, it doesn't mean that every person is doing the most evil that they could do mm-hmm. 24-7, but it means that that, that evil sin nature, uh, it imparts to every part of us. In other words, it affects our mind, it affects our, our hearts, our desires, our emotions, and it's really just, um, you know, just affecting the total person, hence total depravity. And that's what we see back in the days of Noah, just like in uh, at the end of the book of Judges, where it says every man was doing what was right in his own eyes. Yeah. Uh, you have that multiplied by tens and hundreds of millions during Noah's day. Tell us about Noah himself. I mean, the Bible talks about him as being a righteous man. What, what can you tell us about him? 
Yeah, I mean, Noah came from essentially a godly heritage. I mean, I trace through the book uh, just this thin line of godly uh, godliness uh, throughout to these generations, because most of the world, as we read, was very, very wicked. Uh, but he came from a godly line. He had a, a grandfather named Methuselah, a father named uh, Lamech, and, uh, of course, Noah. And it says that Noah was blameless in his time, and he walked with God. Uh, much like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Daniel in their time, in contrast to the world around him, Noah was a very blameless man. And, of course, he took on uh, a Herculean task for 120 years uh, to build a boat that obviously must have brought uh, great ridicule and scorn to him as he obeyed his God in the midst of a very dark culture. Mm -hmm. You indicate in your book, as it was in the days of Noah, uh, you indicate, Jeff, that, that Methuselah played a key role in the flood narrative. What what was that role? Yeah, it's really amazing, and most people don't realize this, that uh, the name Methuselah means when he is gone, it will come, or his death shall bring it. And, you know, you think, well, what in the world does that mean? But when you just do the simple math that Genesis lays out for us, you'll find out that uh, the, the year that Methuselah died is the year that the flood came. So essentially, not only was Noah, as Peter called him, a preacher of righteousness, but Methuselah himself, his very name, his very presence, was broadcasting that when I'm gone from this place, God's going to bring it. And so, essentially, you know, he was the oldest man in the Bible, 969 years. So when you think about the grace of God in the midst of impending doom and judgment, God gave humanity 969 years. Every time Methuselah's name was mentioned, uh, it was preaching God's coming judgment. And so Noah came from that godly line. Uh, Methuselah preached it. Another one of his relatives, Enoch, was a preacher of righteousness that warned about the coming of the Lord uh, in the future. So he came from this great godly line. But as we know, Noah wasn't a perfect person himself. Uh, but again, compared to his generation, he was at least obedient and faithful to God. So just Noah and his family were saved in the ark. Uh, Jeff, does that mean that the rest of the world population, that they were unbelievers, that they were reprobate? It does. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, it's it's a real dark thought to think about, Jim, but God destroyed every living thing that had breath in its nostrils. Uh, that was that was men, women, and children during that day. And, uh, you know, you think about, wow, that, how could God do that? But you know what? He's God. It's his world. It's his air we're breathing. Uh, he's sovereign. He's righteous. He's holy. And humanity at that time uh, had crossed the point of no return, and so God brought that horrific horrible hmm. judgment on planet Earth. My, my. And Noah, no doubt, so it would have been greatly ridiculed as he built that ark, mocked for what he was doing. No, absolutely. I mean, I mean, sometimes we think today that, you know, we're living in this culture where people, you know, post a, a mean, uh, you know, Twitter post against us or say something on a, on a Facebook feed, and we get our feelings hurt. As Christians, well, Noah, he was outnumbered billions to one. I mean, he didn't go to work every day and have Christians you know, supporting him. He didn't have a church to go to on Sunday. All he had was his family and maybe just a couple other family members around him at the time that were supporting him that we know of. And yeah, he, he lived that kind of life. And what a lonely uh, walk of obedience it must have been. And, you know, I, I talk about it in the books that he didn't have to go to, he didn't get to go to Home Depot and get a saw to do all this thing. He's chopping down trees and, uh, with his hands and, and with homemade axes, and he's putting together this art by himself. And uh, surely people must have walked by and wagged their heads and made fun of what what I call Noah's folly, uh, because he's preaching about a coming judgment, and it's never even rained on mm -hmm. the earth prior to this time. Um, there's so much in your book we're going to have to gloss over here, but and, and friends, we'd like to encourage you to get a copy of the book, but you, you warn of an apostasy. Uh, and it, matter of fact, one of the marks of apostasy you write about will take place during the latter days is that people you indicate will add to and alter the Word of God and indicate that the modifications are made because people call into question the trustworthiness of God's Word. So I want you to flesh that out for us and, and about this apostasy that, that you warn of. Absolutely. Well, in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul is uh, teaching the Thessalonian believers about the end times, which was something that he covered a lot with that uh, that people group there, because he says in uh, chapter 2, verse 5, that don't you remember while I was with you, I was telling you about these things over and over again. But one of the things he tells them about, Jim, is that before the Antichrist uh, can be revealed on the earth, that there's going to be a, an apostasy first. In other words, 
The word apostasy means to stand away from or to depart from. And there's going to be a departure from the faith, obviously, in the very last days where the whole world will be as godless as it was in the days of Noah. But prior to that, there's going to be a falling away from the faith. In fact, uh, Timothy uh, predicts that uh, in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. He says, realize this, in the last days, uh, difficult times will come. Uh, he told Timothy earlier in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4 that, <clears throat> excuse me, that the Spirit explicitly says in later times some will fall away from the faith. And that's exactly why he told young Timothy, young Pastor Timothy, to preach the Word because he says the time will come where they, they won't endure sound doctrine. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the church today, Jim, we're seeing huge entertainment facilities being built. Uh, we're seeing people, as, as I think it was uh, A.W. Tozier said, entertaining the goats instead of feeding the sheep. Yeah. Uh, as one pastor said, it's, uh, most churches today are a light show followed by a rock concert followed by a TED Talk. And so there's a lot of self-help going on in the church today, but few people will talk about the the times in which we're living, uh, how to discern those times, how to prepare ourselves for the coming of Christ. And so, yeah, we're seeing churches fall away from the Lord. It's not just the, the society out there that's dark. It's in the church. We have denominational churches that are ordaining lesbian and homosexual pastors and priests. Uh, the Lutheran Church just ordained their first transgender bishop. Mm. And so we're seeing the moral and doctrinal apostasy uh, take place throughout the church. And that's the reason why, you know, George Barta's surveys are showing that most Christians don't even know what the Bible says anymore. Most of them believe today that you can get to heaven just by being good. So it's a trickle-down effect, you know, in the churches, and that's why I believe the Bride of Christ is so sleepy today. Jeff Kinley with us today, as it was in the days of Noah. Yeah, sleepy, and that's why you wrote Wake the Bride as well. Um, I, uh, You speak uh, in this book here, uh, as it was in the days of Noah, of the future rapture. You, you refer to the, as it as the great rescue but you also acknowledge much persecution taking place around the world. And uh, I'd like you to comment on this, because sometimes here in the U.S., we think that we're believers in Christ will escape persecution, uh, like what is going on in Somalia, North Korea, China, Indonesia, other nations as well. Are we to think that there's something special about believers here, that we won't go through those difficult times, that Christ will rescue us from those things? Yeah, I think there a distinction has to be made between the tribulation that Jesus talked about uh, in John 15, we, in John 15 and 16, where he says, if the world hates you, know that it hated me first. And John 16 says, in the world, you, you're going to have tribulation, but I have overcome the world. There's a big difference between uh, tribulation and the tribulation, and one is man's wrath, man's persecution on Jesus' followers, and the other is God's wrath on the planet. And nowhere in Scripture does it promise us an easy road. In fact, in in over 120 countries across the world today, Christians are being actively persecuted uh, all the way up to being beheaded and crucified and dismembered uh, just for uh, following Jesus Christ. Now, here in America, Jim, you know, we've we've had a past in this for for a long time. Uh, And America's had a government that's pretty much had our back, but those days are changing. So we're not promised you know, exemption from man's wrath, but we are promised, I believe, exemption from God's wrath during the tribulation. Friends, we're going to take a quick break here in our program. Uh, I've got some more questions I want to uh, ask uh, Jeff uh, here today, and uh, we, Lord willing, will give you opportunity to ask as well. Uh, The book is entitled, As It Was in the Days of Noah, Warnings from Bible Prophecy about the Coming Global Storm. After the break, we're going to be talking about that lawless one. We talked about lawlessness, but what about the lawless one, the era of Antichrist? Back in a minute, you're listening to Crosstalk on the VCY American Network. Do you take time daily to study the Word of God? Do you go through the Bible systematically and read with comprehension? Do you desire to learn more than what you have in the past? BCY America is offering a package set of four books by Ron Rhodes from Reasoning from the Scriptures Ministries. These Bible study books provide a systematic approach to help you gain better understanding of the Bible. Included in this set is 90 Days Through the New Testament in Chronological Order, providing overviews, powerful insights, and personal application. 40 Days Through Genesis, Discover the Story That Started It All. 40 Days Through Daniel, Revealing God's Plan for the Future. And 40 Days Through Revelation, Uncovering the Mystery of the End Times. 
These four books are available as our way of saying thank you for your donation of $49 or more by calling VCY America at 1-800-729-9829. Don't let the lack of a Bible study plan keep you from daily devotions. Call 1-800-729-9829. Friends, you're tuned to Crosstalk on BCY America. Our guest today is Jeff Kinley, and he's put forth a book entitled As It Was in the Days of Noah. Our BCY bookstore is offering this and uh, worked with the publisher, offering it at 50% off. And if you reach out to them, that's through December 31st. Uh, the, normally $16.99, they have it for $8.49 plus any applicable tax and or shipping. You can reach out to them uh, today, vcy.com, vcy.com, or by calling one 4829 That's 1-888-722-4829. Uh, Jeff, you... Uh, Right about, uh, you, you've already talked to us about lawlessness, and we've discussed that to some degree, and we're seeing that lawlessness on the increase here in the U.S., uh, but uh, you also write about the lawless one, <laughs> the Antichrist, uh, and you've got a chapter on the era of Antichrist. What can you tell us about that era? Well, the Bible says that there's going to be, in the last days, uh, rising up out of the sea of humanity, a man that is going to ascend to the global stage politically. Uh, He's going to lead a world uh, global governance system, and the Scripture calls him uh, by many names. He's called the Antichrist. He's called the Beast. Uh, All throughout the book of Revelation, he's called the Little Horn, the Man of Lawlessness, uh, the the Lawless One. And Scripture says he's going to be essentially Satan incarnate. Uh, He's going to be filled and energized, Revelation 13 tells us, uh, with Satan himself. And uh, Scripture tells us that he's going to broker a peace treaty with Israel. He's going to come on a platform of peace. And uh, the world, I believe, is going to hail him as a new Messiah. Uh, But that alliance that he's going to create of these ten kings, the Bible says, uh, will essentially lead the world government. Uh, But at the midpoint of that, he's going to turn on the Jewish people, the ones he's uh, brokered that peace treaty with. So he'll be Satan with skin on, and he'll claim to be God. And he's going to, uh, I believe, uh, come on the scene. I believe he could very well be alive today. Do you believe that the, the time of the Lord's return then is near? I do. I do, Jim, because as we're seeing the events of the world right now uh, that seem to be uh, flowing like rivers into this grand prophetic narrative that the Bible talks about, uh, the very things that Scripture predicts are the things that we are seeing in either embryonic or developmental stages. And just one example of that would be this global governance system. Right now, uh, pre, uh, premiers, presidents, prime ministers are calling for a global governance system. And why? Because we've just come out of the biggest world crisis uh, in over 100 years. And on the heels of the whole COVID thing, uh, everybody from Prince Charles to former uh, Prime Minister Tony Blair, all these people across the nation, the global elite said, hey, we've got to come together. It's time to dissolve our boundaries, dissolve our borders. We need a common currency. Uh, We need to come together. And it is in the the stages of happening as we speak. Well, Scripture says that's exactly what's going to happen in the end times, only it'll be led by one man. And friends, you've heard uh, the the clips, you've heard the sentiment that uh, we need to use the COVID crisis as the framework for another global crisis, this threat of worldwide global climate change. And uh, so that, that fear tactic is being put out there once again as, as being the, 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 well, really the catalyst for, for putting in all these control measures. But uh, you've heard the clips as well. We've played them on Crosstalk, calling for a, reorganization, a reorganizing of the world or the Great Reset, uh, which we've talked about as well. Uh, in so doing, though, even as, as you anticipate the Lord's return drawing near, and by the way, folks, when you look at his chapter on the era of Antichrist, you're going to learn about an era of crisis, an era of peace, an era of beast, an era of delusion, an era of miracles. We don't have time to get into it. You'll find it in the book. But uh, in, in light of, of anticipating the Lord's return, your final chapter is entitled The Open Door. While you believe the Lord's return is near, tell us what you mean by The Open Door. Yeah, I mean, you think about, you know, as Noah was building this ark all those years ago, uh, the last thing that happened on that ark was the shutting of the door. 
And the Bible says that God himself shut that door. Uh, but all during the time leading up to that, the door was open. And that really just indicated the fact that God's uh, era of grace was still in effect, that he was still receiving people, that whosoever will may come to him. And I think that's where we are today. We're in the era of the open door as we see the, the storm clouds gathering all around us of coming global judgment. Uh, Jim, God is still uh, inviting people to the cross. Jesus is the ark. Uh, he is the door. And when people come to Jesus, they will find refuge from that coming global storm. And so, yes, I do believe the door is open, but also the door is open for believers as well to be that salt and light out in the world. Because Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Even as he's building the ark, he's preaching uh, through his building, he's preaching through his mouth. And believers, I believe right now, are called to look at the world around them uh, to help warn the world of what's about to happen. So, friends, that's a message to believers today coming from the book, and the message to the non-believer. Uh, let me just say this, Jeff. We don't know how long that door is going to be open. No, we don't. Uh, we really don't. The Bible teaches in the New Testament the imminent return of Christ, which essentially means that he could come at any time. So we don't know if it's five minutes, five years, or five decades, but I certainly do see, as as we see these these impending events coming together that Revelation talks about, uh, that tells us that the rapture is really closer than it's ever been before. Friends, we're opening our phone lines today to give you opportunity to interact with our guests, perhaps a question you'd like to ask in particular, our phone number 800-733-9829, 800-733-9829. One of the things I want to point out in your book as well, Jeff, is at the very end of the book, you have an appendix, which is an end times chronology of 30 events. So for those who have been kind of confused. How do things mesh out in the end according to Scripture? Uh, you lay that out uh, very uh, easily, point by point, in the back of the book. Yeah, I think the next event on God's prophetic calendar, according to Scripture, is the rapture of the Church. I mean, there are no signs that lead up to the rapture. It's a signless event. But once that happens, that essentially becomes a catalyst that creates a global crisis that I believe the Antichrist will come into that void and to bring peace and a sense of security to the world. And so it, it flows from rapture to some unspecified amount of time uh, to the Antichrist appearing on the scene, signing a peace treaty with Israel. I believe the Jewish temple was going to be rebuilt during that time. Antichrist forms his government, and then comes God's uh, judgments, his sealed trumpet and bold judgments, concluding with the second coming of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, then after that, we have the millennial kingdom of Christ on the earth, a thousand-year reign, and then uh, the great white throne judgment, and then the uh, the eternal state. Well, friends, you'll find it laid out in the book as it was in the days of Noah. And again, we've glossed over so much information because he goes into much more detail about the times of Noah uh, being the last righteous man on the earth. He talks about the flood, Noah himself being, a, he calls him the carpenter prophet, uh, the, the the godlessness of this world, the violence of this world. We talked in brief about the 50 shades of immorality, the, the difficult times, the the rescue, of course, the era of Antichrist, and, and so much more in the book as it was in the days of Noah. You can reach out to the VCY bookstore, vcy.com, or one 722 4829. Well, the phone lines are packed. We're going to begin with Kevin calling from South Dakota. Kevin, you're on the air. Yes, good afternoon. I uh, appreciate today's speaker. Um, uh, just a couple quick comments. One is, I, I didn't catch that earlier. Maybe you quoted it, uh, talking about Genesis in the chapter 8, 20 or 21, 22 verse. Uh, after, the, after the flood and God destroys the earth, he says, you know, he looks upon man and he says, uh, never again will I destroy the earth even though every inclination of his heart is evil. And, and right, you know, well, you know, right after the flood, basically, and God's already proclaiming, you know, uh, through the flood he brings eight, eight people through it, and yet, you know, he's looking down the road. But my, my, my other point is well, this, uh, Before you go on, so I'm sorry, Kevin, before you go on, we just need to correct something here. God did not say that he would never destroy the earth, because we know there is a destruction that's coming, but it would never be done by a worldwide flood. And that's something that's important. yes. Very good. Yep. Go ahead and continue. No, thank you, Jim, for, for yeah, but my point being, I guess, with that is he, he sees inclination of heart. man's heart is evil, yeah. even from an infant. But my, my point also being is, you know, um, I, I hear the program before this, and, and I hear you guys, this program, 
we hear this, you know, what's the downside of what we're talking about here? I guess I bring before your speaker, what's the downside? We, we can hear this, so to speak, negativity. But as he just made a few minutes ago, we are to be about God's furthering his yeah. kingdom. Hmm. And, and his patience means salvation. So he's not holding on for his children. He's holding on for those that don't know him. Oh. And we're crying out, come, Lord Jesus, come. And, 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 they're, they're, you know, and so the rest of the world's turning away. But God's patience means salvation. Yeah. That's the great God we have and the sovereign God we have. Uh, that's all I have to say. Thank great. you. Thank yeah. you. Go ahead, Jeff. Now, hey, Kevin, amen to everything you just said. And, and I think it's really both and. Second uh, Peter three nine says that the that the Lord is not slow concerning His promise, as some men count slowness, but is patient towards men that and, and not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So I believe He is waiting for the lost to be saved. And secondly, when you read the book of Revelation, before God brings this judgment, what does He do? He spends two whole chapters addressing seven churches, addressing his bride, the church, saying, before I come, you've got to wake up. You've got to get your wedding garments on. You've got to be awake and ready for me and prepared for me. So I think it's really both and that God is uh, shouting to his bride to wake up so that she can be salt and light in the world to bring those uh, unbelievers to repentance. Thank Good you. Comment. Thank you for the call. Let's go next to Joe. Hi, Joe. You're on the air. I really appreciate Mr. Kinley's observation that Noah did not have his own improvement store. And I can only imagine 11% rebate that he would have <laughs> garnered as an artist that existed. But all jesting aside, I have a question for Mr. Kinley, and that is uh, what physical artifacts are known to have survived the flood? And also, do you believe the, is there more evidence that the ark is intact, or is there more evidence? I don't, I don't know the answer to these questions, but there's more evidence that maybe looters dismantled the ark like looters have dismantled um, other religious artifacts. Okay, thank you. That's a great question, Joel. A lot of Bible scholars believe that Noah probably um, used the wood from the ark to build other things and to for firewood and to build, you know, domiciles and that type of thing for his family. Basically, dismantled it himself. You know, there's been all these searches for Noah's ark, and I think I address in the book the fact that if if we ever found Noah's ark, it would be one of the greatest apologetics of of the end times, and perhaps we will that will validate Noah's story from just an archaeological standpoint. But secondly, if we if we don't find it, I think it's probably because God knows that, uh, at least in America, we would venerate these objects, we'd mm. put it on display at a museum, we'd, we'd charge admission and that type of thing. I think God really wants us to trust his word. Obviously, we've seen from uh, the sediment deposits, even from something like Mount St. Helens, how the strata of the earth uh, has been developed in the same way that we see people say millions of years did it. We saw in a matter of weeks that happening after Mount St. Helens. And so I think there's evidence to suggest that there was a global flood and that it caused the earth to be rearranged in the way that the Bible says. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, the, the as to physical evidence, uh, yeah, you may not find the, the, the pieces of wood, but uh, just the fossils alone on the high mountaintops uh, speaks volumes, does it not? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they found, you know, seashells on top of mountains. I mean, how do they get there? Other than there being a worldwide flood and these tectonic plates being pushed against one another, creating the modern-day mountain ranges. We're up against a break, so let's take the break so we don't have to cut into the next phone caller here, and we'll take more of your questions here. The lines are staying packed, so we'll cover as much as we can here in the program. Uh, Just a reminder, if you'd like to obtain a copy of the book, it's available uh, through the VCY Bookstore. Uh, as they're featuring it through December 31st at uh, half off. And uh, you can reach out to them just $8.49 plus any applicable tax and or shipping uh, available at vcy.com or reaching out to them by phone one 722 4829 If you get a busy signal, just call them back a little bit later. and uh, uh, Or if you get an answering machine, leave a message there as well. Hey, we'll be back in a minute. You're listening to Crosstalk. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. Well, the 2022 midterms are now over. What happened? Well, the red wave never happened. Is that because of voter fraud? It seems pretty clear there was voter fraud involved. But what's most disturbing to me, in addition to that, is the number of propositions that passed that are pro-abortion, that are for abortion on demand at extreme late terms. And then 
the laws related to undermining parental authority when it comes to minors having abortions without their parents' knowledge or permission. And then the propositions passing that deal with transgenderism and transitioning of children. Are these really passing? Is this the moral decay that America has come to? If so, fraud set aside. America is receiving the leaders they deserve and God's judgment. I'm Brandon House. As it was in the days of Noah, friends, uh, we're taking your calls here today on Crosstalk. Lines have been very, very busy. Let's go right back to them here today. Our guest, by the way, Jeff Kinley, who has authored the book, numerous other ones as well. Charlie in Lodi, Wisconsin, you're on the air. Yes, sir. Thank you for another excellent show. I just have a quick comment. I, uh, I'm reminded that in World War II, most of the Nazis and the German army did some horrific horrific things to the Jewish, Polish people that we all know about in history. Those people, as I remember, were mostly Catholic and Lutheran. So they had some resemblance of God and religion and right and wrong and morality. This coming up generation has no knowledge of God, generally speaking. In fact, as your speaker wisely said, they hate God. Think of what they're capable of. Just think of that for a minute. Thank you for the call yeah. here, Charlie. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, Satan hates humanity. He hates humanity because uh, because God loves humanity and we're created in the image of God. Uh, he obviously hates believers. But we see that kind of abuse, I think, today, Charlie, through, uh, through abortion. Uh, I think we see it through this new whole uh, ch- child uh, genital mutilation, uh, yeah. through the ch- transgender uh, movement, through puberty blockers. Uh, that type of thing. We're experimenting on humanity in that way, and I think Satan would love to do that and erase any image of God he can. Yeah, friends, more. thank you for the call, and more and more we're asking that question, yea, hath God said? Continue to mm. question him, just as it happened in the garden. Let's go to Chris next from Hayward. Chris, hey, Jim, th- you're on the air. Hey, Jim, thanks for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to comment on, you guys are talking about all these signs of how close we're getting to the end. I believe one indicator, too, is the fact that the Jews are ready to rebuild the third temple in Jerusalem. I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you guys saw where they got the five red heifers shipped in from Texas yes. about a month ago yep. to Israel. Um, and it just, it's, that project is moving along so fast, and that's a huge indicator, I believe, of how close we might be to that time. And That's my comment. Thank you for that. And yes, we did a program on that, including, uh, Jeff, the the uh, choir rehearsal for many hundreds of Levite men <laughs> uh, preparing for the Third Temple. No, absolutely. In fact, uh, the Jews are very intentional about building their temple. 1987, the Temple Institute was founded. You can go on their templeinstitute.org website. You can see the plans for the temple. Uh, you can see the, the over 500 young priests that they have trained. Uh, you can see some of the uh, sacrificial garments and instruments that they're that they're planning. All they need is some real estate. In other words, all they need is access to that Temple Mount. I believe that through Antichrist and some other events around the time of the rapture and in the post-rapture crisis, that uh, that real estate is going to open up to them. But yes, I think that's one of the huge signs that we see happening uh, right now in the Middle East. And because once they decide they're going to do it, I believe that it's going to happen. Chester is calling from West Virginia. Chester, you're on the air. Uh, thank you, Jim, for taking my call. Just one quick comment. Um, we we know that the Word of God is going to be fulfilled. Yes. Uh, because it was wrote when men felt inspired of the Holy Ghost to write, and there's prophecies in there that have been fulfilled as we speak. Um, really, what can a person do in these end times other than keep self ready and keep your head held high because our redemption draws nigh? Thank you for the question. Mm. Great, Chester. Thank you so much for that <clears throat> for that question. I think one thing that's very important for believers today is to be aware of what's going on in the world uh, as it relates to the Scripture specifically. And the Bible does predict that there are going to be emerging prophecies in the end times. Well, most most believers don't know about these prophecies, so I think it's important to study Bible prophecy 
uh, study the book of Revelation, study Daniel, get, get your hands on some really good books. And what that does, Chester, is that enables us to have tools that we can relate to the world. When people are panicking and they're in fear out there in the world, we can say to them, hey, the Bible tells us what exactly is going to happen and how you can prepare to avoid it. So I think studying Bible prophecy is a great tool that you can use as an apologetic in these dark days. And and in addition to what you referred to earlier, Jeff, the importance of us being salt and light. I mean, we need to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ and, and, and sharing the gospel with others during these critical times. No, absolutely. In fact, instead of withdrawing from the world, we need to be penetrating the darkness mm. with the gospel and going where non-Christians are, building bridges and relationships uh, with people that don't know Jesus Christ. Because as as Paul said in Romans, w- without a preacher, how are they going to hear? Yeah. And so we are the gospel to these people. We are the ones that carry the good news to them. And so we can't expect them to come to church anymore to, to see it. We've got to go out there to them. Thanks for the call. Zoe is next in Champaign, Illinois. You're on the air. I wanted opinion of both of you, really, um, about the identity of the Antichrist or the false messiah, you could also call him. It seems to me that maybe he would have to be Jewish, and I wondered if your opinion about that. I don't, you know, I realize, you know, there's one race, the human race, but I just think um, the Jews wouldn't accept him if he weren't Jewish, and I'm curious what you all think. Thank you, Zoe. Yeah. Well, the Bible says in two different places, he says that he's going to lead in Daniel a, a Gentile revived Roman Empire. Uh, it's kind of hard to think of a, Jew, a Jewish person leading that. Secondly, it says that the Antichrist will enter the Holy of Holies in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and proclaim himself to be God. That also doesn't seem like something a Jewish person would do. But Scripture also says he's going to lead this Gentile empire. And so for that reason, and in chapter 13 of Revelation, chapter 17, we believe he'll most likely be uh, a Gentile. So that's where I stand on that issue. Thank you, Zoe, for the call. We're going to squeeze Scott in from Bridgeport, West Virginia. You're on the air. Uh, Yes, Scott. Thanks for taking my call. I was just wondering your opinion on the political climate and with voter fraud and everything. If you guys would think, like, even if we fixed all the, you know, voter fraud and the machines and everything, if it would be possible for God to still intervene to put these wrong people in place just to fulfill things that need to be fulfilled. We're down to 30 seconds. Jeff, your comment. Well, certainly possible. God certainly is giving us what we deserve in our country right now. But there's also grand deceptions, corruptions going on. And in fact, our current president himself is a is a card-carrying member of the World Economic Forum. He's, he's planning their agenda and in implementing that in our country right now as we speak. Thank you for the call here. And uh, I, you know, we can rest assured, Jeff, what God has before ordained will come to pass. Yes, absolutely. Yes, the, the plans of God cannot be thwarted. Uh, Jeff Kinley with us here today. And so, friends, let's preach the Word. Let's proclaim the gospel to a world in need. Author of the book, As It Was in the Days of Noah, you can reach out to the VCY Bookstore, featuring it half off right now, vcy.com or one 4829 Jeff, thank you for your, your research and time that you put into that and also joining us on the broadcast. Jim, my pleasure. God bless you all. And friends, thanks for joining us here on Crosstalk today. Let's be salt. Let's be light. God bless you. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from VCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208. Or download by RSS or podcast from crosstalkamerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk. Crosstalk.